Kevin Atwater, welcome to the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. How are you doing today there, Kevin? Hey, that's how you doing, Mark? I'm not doing too bad. All We're right. here at the beautiful Beedell Club here in Roseville slash St. Paul, Minnesota. Proud sponsor of the Mark Sterry Music Podcast, and it is finally gorgeous out today. Yes, it is. Finally. T-shirt weather. Yeah. Just gorgeous. So it's finally, I think we finally have spring coming, and it just feels really good. Let's hope so. Yeah, everyone just seems to be in a good mood. A lot of vitamin D out there today. Uh, except you were kind of hobbling. You walk in. So what's what happened to you this weekend, Kevin? <laughs> uh, well, you have an outdoor wood boiler. We call it the now we call it the stove monster because um, my I smashed my hands in it before, and so this time I lifted up a big log, turned around, was going to throw it in, and I, my feet slipped out from underneath me, and I fell on my back, and the log was on top of me. Oh. And, and I cracked a fractured uh, two ribs, three and four. Yeah, so I'm feeling good. It just has to Tylenol and ibuprofen, buddy. There you go. There you go. Yes, uh, the background noise, like I said, are at the BDO Club. There's a funeral upstairs, <laughs> and they got the pull tab machine behind us. It just, it's good bar yeah. ambiance. Um, kind of funny how I met Kevin. I was playing a show. I kind of like let the universe decide kind of who I have on the show. I kind of go along and whatever, and I make a plan. But then I was driving to my show in White Bear Lake, and uh, I had my check engine light came on, and I had to drive to uh, uh, Breezy Point the next day. So I called the Jeep dealership outside of White Bear Lake, and I said, can I pull it in? I said, I'm a traveling musician, and I just need to look at you were And you answered the phone. You're like, yeah. oh, so was I. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. Pulled in there, started, started talking. Here you were and are a lifelong musician and had these. We kind of hit it off. You're talking about your your albums. You're talking about all the t- people you opened up for mm-hmm. and your crazy life in the in the music business. So yeah. I thought you'd be a, an awesome speaking voice. So I thought you'd be a good guest for the podcast. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. It was good. Kind of odd things happen, you know, and, yeah. and, and like this. Um. I still haven't got that thing fixed yet. It was it was no. uh, a missions thing, but you guys said it wasn't too big of a deal. Right. So no. Um, so um, so you're from originally from Oklahoma, then? Well, I was born in Oklahoma and left there when I was two, and then moved. We I grew up in the Bay Area, California. Um, graduated from Concord High to all my Concord High people out there, um, and then from there I, I got into a local band, classic rock band, and. You know, and was that happened. Express was the name? Express was the name of the band. Yeah, we got pretty popular in the Bay Area. Opened up for a lot of lot of great people. Met a lot of great bands um, from Loverboy, the Doobie Brothers. You know, Kansas, wow. um, Nazareth, Pat Travers. I mean, it goes on and on and on. Who but, were the coolest ones? Um, Nazareth by far. Really? Yeah, they were they were just rocking cool.
Yeah, they accepted us um, in the in the uh, dressing room, and they were just because we ended the show with Freebird, and we walk in, and that, and one of the, a couple of the guys was, I can't believe you played that song, man. <laughs> <laughs> My son plays that song, you know. So, and they were all drinking St. Pauli beer, but they were a great group of guys. That's awesome. So we had a good time. Okay. Yeah. And then you went to the army, then, right? I was in the army. I got out of the army in '85, and then uh, moved back to California, and then for, kind of slowed my roots there, and and then end up leaving there in 2001, headed back to Oklahoma. I was going to do my music thing, and the whole time I've, I've been in the car business. I've been a you know parts of service director, of corporate fix ops director, and I settled down back down into a service manager role back here in Minnesota. Okay. Um, so I got that in um, 2001. I left. I formed a band. A um, little uh, kind of interesting story before that, though. I in 19, I lost my father in a house fire and uh, July 21st of 1998. What? Yeah, it was a, a backdraft got him in Robert Lee, Texas. Okay, what's a backdraft? It's when you open the door and it's the, like the monster behind the door. And a backdraft, it's been brewing in there. And the smoke could be like 100, um, 1,800 degrees. So when you open the door, it's just, it feeds it oxygen and it explodes. Was he a firefighter? No. Mm-mm. No, it happened in their house. Wow. Mom and dad lived there. Um, my mom escaped out the front door barely. And uh, that, my dad was killed instantly by it. And so... But anyway, so that happened July 21st, 1998. So we go on, fast forward about a year, and I'm, I am I used to be an avid bowler, too, so I was bowling on the league, and this gentleman walked up to me by the name of Roger Moore, not the Roger Moore. <laughs> but his name was Roger Moore. I bowled with him and his son. And um, he comes up, he goes, I hear you should be playing music for a living. I said, yeah, that'd be great. He says, well, why don't you? I said, I told him, I said, it takes time and money. He goes, which I is true, yeah. It does, you know. So he said, I got some money. Why don't you put something together? Come see my wife and I tomorrow. I went, are you serious? And he goes, absolutely. Absolutely. Let's get this going. So I, I, I called my mom immediately, and she goes, son, you know what the day is? I said, no. She goes, and I thought about it. And I went, oh, my God. It was July It was July 21st, 1999, one year to the day my dad died. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. All the universe works like yeah, that. Yeah, and so he he actually financially backed my whole getting into it. My first demo album, uh, local there, and my professionally produced Nashville album with some of the finest players in Nashville. Dave Promore, I want to reach out to him. He was my session leader and, and bass player, um, very well known. Played with Hal Ketchum and uh, for a long time was his manager. Wow. Yeah. So I had the super guys, uh, Vince. Vince Gill's um, keyboard player, you know, just names like that. They were all AAA musicians. And so you had a dream come true just as you started. I mean, I've, yeah. I've been doing this for 20-some years and never had a sponsor. And you were bowling and got one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was amazing how it happened. And I just, you know, I just knew there was a song there. And uh, one of the songs I wrote um, that I put on... My first demo album was 17th in Austin. And that's when I saw the street sign, I went, that's a sign. Well, that happened to be the corner where my parents' house was that was destroyed in the fire. Really? So I wrote a song called 17th in Austin. And then, and I didn't put that on my new album for some reason. But um, the other one that didn't make it was um, Angel Wings. And it was um, had to do with me getting the deal, you know, at the Bowling Alley. And, you know, and I'm... 
I know who sent him. You know, he's watching over me. You know, and so uh, that was a good that was a good song. And I actually played. Roger passed away, and he never got to hear the song, but he did hear it because I played it at his funeral, because on the request of Pat, his wife. And I did acoustic version of it and everything, and and people just just an odd, just everybody coming up to me and understood why Roger backed me like he did. And, but I was I flew back to Nashville. I lived in the Bay Area. I flew back to Nashville every other week, um, leave on a Wednesday night and come back on on Sunday. And I'm picking out songs, picking musicians, and the um, recording studio. And I did that for about eight eight or nine months. And when we finally got the finished product and. You know, I tell you, Nashville musicians are just out of this world. I mean, they just listen to something and just start writing it down, and it's it's all numbers. It's not letters. It's not the key of A or anything. It's it's one. You know, key of A, one, three, five, seven. You know, and and they all accept and know what they they run through a song one time and boom, it'd be down. So it was a it was a treat just to see that happen. And I had a producer by the name of Larry Pacheco, who he wrote the Nashville Red Book. And it's the do's and don'ts for musicians that are moving to Nashville. And that's how I hooked up with him. Wow. Yeah. And uh, one of the hit songs off that album was Kissing This Ring, which we did a video on. And that, that got, I was with Comstock Records in um, Scottsdale, Arizona. They're independent. You know, they distributed to all over the world. And I used to, I got, I still have probably copies of all the radio stations where it stayed number one forever and ever and ever. And I actually had like four songs in the top ten at one time in wow. Europe. So yeah, it was it was it was a, quite a ride. And then I, of course, after that was done, I I went professionally full time. We bought um, we bought Roy Clark's tour bus um, and had it on the front of it, it was a '82 Silver Eagle. Had all of his open arms hotel, um, hee haw, picket and grinning uh, stuff. So we had a we had a blast touring wow. the country. That had a booking agent and everything. So. When did you start playing guitar and well, singing and songwriting? How did you get started? When I was two years old, I I remember my parents got me a plastic guitar, and I I didn't stick with it. I went to drums. When uh, my brother was a drummer too, and uh, I just I we had two drum sets going on in our household at the same time. You know, we put them together, and I would just follow my brother. Then it, I took that and played for many, many, many years, and then wanted to get more into guitar when I was um, like. 15, 16. May as well just repeated last week's ad because the winter rain snow mess is still upon us. Keeping both hands on the wheel of my black Jeep Cherokee got for Mighty Chrysler. With 250,000 miles, my old car, just much for that poor thing to take. I found myself looking for my new dream ride at ID Chrysler, and the staff can be more helpful with me choosing a vehicle and willing to work with my, as I call it, musician's credit score. Their philosophy is simple, time-saving, hassle-free, fair price. Check out the inventory at ZombrotaCDJR.com or take the beautiful drive down US 52 to 1900 Roscoe Avenue, Zombrota, Minnesota, to visit them in person. Business hours are Monday through Friday, 8 to 6 p.m. and Saturday, 9 to 5 p.m. Close on Sundays. Check out ID Chrysler's Zabrota today and enjoy a safe winter-ish spring season full of adventures and memories out in the open road in a new ride. I want to tell you about one of my favorite bars in the Roseville slash St. Paul, Minnesota area. The B-Dale Club, located in the corner of Counter Road. B-Dale's motto is a place for family, a place for friends, a place for fun. And that is a stone-cold fact. Legendary guitarist Dan Neal. We're back at the B-Dale rocking with Brian K. Johnson myself next 
Thursday, rocking all your rock and roll and old country favorites. Rob, Natalie, Shelley, no Dustin on Sundays, and the entire bar staff. We're all state-of-the-art cocktail wizards as of late. My libation of choice is a classic Greyhound cocktail. And there to quote 16-time world champion Ric Flair, taste it, little devils. Live music, pull tabs, pool table, bingle, botch all tournaments, and much more B-Dale's got it all. Stop by for a cold one soon. And just learned it from there and just, I started writing probably, gosh, this was back in the 90s when I started writing. And realized everything I was writing was pretty much Southern made, so... What? Uh, who were some of your like songwriting and performing influences? Um, I listened. I listened to uh, um, Burl Haggard, Waylon, and some some of the words that they were put together. A lot of Johnny Cash stuff too. I hear the train a coming. It's rolling around a bend, and I ain't seen the sunshine since I don't know when. I'm stuck in Folsom Prison, and time keeps dragging on. And, you know, stuff I wrote was, it wasn't real twangy, but it had a little flair to it, too. And the ones that on the album, there was, what I was told, there's, there's some of them that's real commercial. And like Kissing This Ring is, you know, basically, you saw, did you see the video on that? Oh, of course. Oh, and they thought, I was told it was real commercial and it's got a catchphrase and everybody would say, man, I can't get Kissing This Ring out of my head now. So, where did, anyway. so where did you shoot the video? It was actually and shot in California. The videographer was Peter Lippman. He's a really well-known videographer who did a um, Lady in Red song, you know, Chris Isaac. Um, really? Yeah. Lady in Red is dancing with me. So we did that, and it was like called Vasco Road. It was a Liverpool where all the windmills are, and um, I was on a the the dealer I was working for at the time, the dealer principal, um, Steve Kraut. He had a a, 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 a motorcycle, custom built motorcycle that he had, I mean, literally never drove. It was in his garage with a dead battery, and it was built by Robbie Knievel. And Robbie Knievel, son of Evil Knievel. Yeah, right. And had, he, they grew up together, Steve Kraut and, and Robbie Knievel in Butte, Montana. So he, he, Steve goes, what you do it on this? I said, all right. So we put a battery in it, and, and uh, there's shots in the video. You can see, I mean, the guy, the videographer was like riding on the back with holding his camera, you know, and, and shooting it in my mirror. And <laughs> just, I, It was kind of cool. It was a good, a good experience. So were you lip syncing and just kind of along with it, or how'd that all go? Um, pretty much. I wasn't. Yeah, I was lip syncing, um, but I was playing. I'm just singing a bit, and then, uh, and uh, I had a I had a photo shoot, and I really wasn't comfortable with the all the photos that was taken. And when I'm, I'm listening, I'm watching the video, and I did an EPK. You know what that is? A promo, electronic promotional kit. Uh-huh. And I, I was doing an interview, and I and he was playing it. I said, stop. And he stopped, and that's how I came up with the cover of the album. That that was actually taken from um, a, an interview shot, and so this one is. Yeah, there and, you go. Yeah, so it's I like that picture, so I went, you know, let's let's use this for the album cover. Yeah, it's very commercial, good-looking Southern country country rocker. Um, who picked out your outfits and stuff? It kind of you have an Alan Jackson vibe back in the day, <laughs> you know. I, you know, <laughs> I did actually. Um. Well, way down yonder on the Chattahoochee, it gets hotter than a 
I've always liked wearing that type of clothes, you know, and and uh, and that I didn't really pay attention to it until I was started going on, getting on the road more, doing it full time. That everybody thought I was Alan Jackson, and even when I was going into the airport, I'd get out, Alan Jackson, we love you, and I'm like, he's about four inches taller than I am. All right, you know, we're about the same age, but but yeah, I kind of it was kind of funny. In fact, I almost did. An Alan Jackson tribute show and take it to Vegas. I was I was told I'd, it'd be a huge success, but I went. You know, I'm really not trying to be anybody else. I just want to be myself. And if, if I had the long, blonde curly locks like I did, and put a cowboy hat on, yeah, okay, I, it resembles them. But that's that's where I take it. That's, yeah, I gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's outstanding. So, did you ever? So, did you ever meet Alan Jackson? No, he's one of the ones I really haven't met. Um, I really hate to tell this story, but I was sitting in the airport in the smoking room, which I smoked then, I don't anymore. Um, and this couple was sitting to the left of me, and I could see that this lady's really oh, just doing things with her hands, you know, and, the, and finally the guy, her husband, I guess, next, he taps me on the shoulder and says, I'm sorry to bother you. She, she says, he says, but my wife's been a huge fan of yours for years. You mind signing something for her? I said, no, man. And she was going, please, please. And I went. And so I, I didn't even look like Alan Jackson. So I, just, I didn't. <laughs> so I did it. All right. Bottom line is I did it. I was wrong. I felt oh guilty God, about it. That's a great story. <laughs> but, you know, I just made somebody happy, you know. And yeah. I wasn't trying to forge your name, Alan. <laughs> I've seen people do that, though. I mean, I played a festival in Hudson many years ago, and there was a guy walking around saying he was Michael McDonald, and the guy that that booked the entire festival thought he was Michael McDonald and looked at him and goes, it doesn't look anything like Michael McDonald. But, yeah, they they talked about him on stage. He's backstage, and he was just working everybody. Yeah. And then uh, my mom was in Chicago once, and she texted me and said, oh, we met Bono from the band U2. It's a, she sends a picture of her and Bono. It's not Bono. I mean, not even close. But it did make her day thinking she met Bono. Yeah, yeah. I went, to, I went to, uh, back then it was called Fanfare. It's called the CMA Music Fest down in Nashville. Yeah. And when I was there... Um, I went there for years. Did you? Fan- yeah. That was a good, that was a good gig. I was a member of IFCO. Um, with the sisters, uh, International Fan Club Organization. And we had a booth set up there, and um, we got to meet people, take pictures with people. And right next to me was Daryl Singletary, and the other booth was Brooks and Dunn. So that's how far it goes back. You know, Daryl Singletary was there. And um, Eric Church was just, he was there. He was just starting. But um, but we weren't, we didn't have the passes to go backstage where all the bands were. Uh, well, I really didn't need it. <laughs> I figured out. <laughs> <laughs> because I just said, <laughs> I said, hey, man, um, can I get a ride back there? He goes, yeah, we're going backstage. Is that where you want to go? I said, yeah. So we jumped in a cart and <laughs> got up on stage um, and sat in the chair behind uh, um, um, Ronnie Millsap. I love Ronnie Millsap. Yeah. Yep, sat behind him and watching his performance show. We went down and just mingled around back in the backstaging area. It was kind of fun. I mean, use it. Fake it till you make it, right? Fake it till you make it. <laughs> so, when you, did you primarily write all these songs? Or no, I, I, I've got two of them on there. Uh, the rest of them were Nashville songwriters. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so, what was your life like on the road? 
Like, how long How long did you do it? And like, who did you open for? Tell us about that experience. I've always wanted to tour the country kind of like that. Were you friends with all the band guys? Or how did that all yeah. go together? Yeah, actually, the, my lead guitar player and, and leader of my band was one of my best friends. And we'd been playing together in, in the band Express in the classical rock days. And so I called him up and asked if he wanted to come to Oklahoma and hit the road. And he, so, yeah, he jumped on it. And, and he brought a bus driver with him. And, and uh so yeah, we've been friends, still friends to this day, and it was it was hard on the road. I mean, it, it, people say, "Man, you got it, you got it made." It's it isn't really that way. It, it becomes it, if you let it, it, be, it will become a twenty four seven party, three sixty five, and we shied away from all that big scene as much as we could. I mean, you're gonna get caught up in some of it, um, but my. Um, not management company, but my booking agent, and he's the one that placed us. It was Dagan Entertainment back in the day. So um, the road was the road was fun, but it was it was a lot of work because I I mean I wasn't to the point where I had roadies and all that stuff. You know, I, I had my driver, and and that was it. We did our own sound, and then I got the driver started doing sound for a while too. After I hooked him up how, how to do it, but yeah, we did our own dig. Walking 